0: Welcome to Queer in Love, the podcast where we explore queer relationships from a queer lens. I'm Diego Amado, and each episode I talk to queers about love, pop culture, kink, politics, and beyond. This episode is part two of my conversation with Cordette. We apologize to bisexuals everywhere, compare public sex sober to public sex drunk, and talk about going right past very evident red flag. And now, here's Cordette. What was your first gay kiss like? How'd it feel?
1: <sighs> who was it with? And how'd it feel? Um, it was with this boy who is no longer with us. May he rest Sorry. in peace. Um, in Minneapolis. No, not Minneapolis. Minnetonka, which I think is a suburb of Minneapolis. And I was 16. It was the summer after I came out. And we were having this argument about his cousin, who was openly gay. And he was going on this, this tangent about how it was so wrong. And I was, like, defending his cousin. And Wait, how did you know him? Um, Oh, God. So sordid. Um, well, my dad, he, like, made the attempt to establish himself as a parental figure when I was, like, in my teens. But he had gotten sober. And he was in Minnesota. Land of a thousand rehabs. And he was dating this woman. And she had a kid. David Benjamin, Mm. who was a year younger than me. Or, yeah, he was a year younger than me. So I was 16, he was 15. And I went and spent holidays, extended holidays, like Christmas and, like, summers with them for, like, a couple of years. Um, So that's how I met him. So
0: you were arguing about gayness. We
1: were arguing about gayness. And then? I blurted out that I was... God, this is going to sound so horrible knowing what I know now. But... (laughs) I <laughs> blurted out that I was bisexual.
0: Oh, oh, please! <laughs> I, you know what is the what is the saying, producer Steven? The biblical thing: <laughs> "He who has not sinned throw the first stone," or what? Cast the first stone. Is that right? Okay. I'm
1: just saying. That is the stigma that bisexual, li- authentic bisexual no, totally. people are yes. dealing with because right. of people like me who like need to ease like into. <laughs> you know, I will own up
0: to that. I will make. I will do my amends. Yes, I. I also to all know.
1: the bisexual listeners. I'm so sorry for my contributions <laughs> no, same, to your suffrage. Same.
0: Teenage, teenage us. <laughs> I was scared. Totally, totally. <laughs> well, you know, right. it's now it's rationalization. This yeah, is yeah, more yeah. acceptable right. in society.
1: Right. But so, yes, okay. so I blurted you, it out that i was bisexual to like disprove his he had these stigmas about gay people in his mind and like these characterizations that were all negative and i like blurted out that i was bisexual to like disprove those things and, and then... you know lo and behold it, the power of vulnerability because i blurted that out and then literally like a half hour later he told me that he was bisexual <gasps> it's gone that and then we just started kissing. <laughs> just like that?
0: He's like, I'm yeah. a bisexual too. And then just mouth on mouth.
1: Yeah, pretty much. We were out on his mother's balcony. And he was smoking a cigarette. We were both smoking because we were cool. <laughs> and he confessed that to me like a half hour after the argument. He said that to me. And then there was like this intense staring into each other's eyes. And then I just went for it. And we started making out. And you went more. it yes. was just you know a moment of desire
0: and did you was it just like a, a tender close-lipped oh close, no, no 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 no, no honey
1: <laughs> god no it was hot um it was open mouth it was tongue on tongue exchanging of saliva no mono of, after yeah um, not
0: covid friendly
1: it was pre-covid well, oh gone right? are the days <laughs> <I know>. uh, <laughs> um no it was not it was not a sweet summer camp kiss it was a hot and bothered assertion of, of lust. Queerness. yeah of queerness and queer love que-
0: queer lust
1: mm-hmm
0: did it did it get a little more sexual oh yes we had sex
1: many a time that summer many a time i mean the power of vulnerability really i like that you know (laughs) it really i mean i mean i you know i'm like learning how to be more vulnerable right now (laughs) like actually practicing it so i mean i'm just reflecting on like moments where that really changed the course of a moment in my life and that is one of them that i hadn't thought about until you posed this question but yes um the power of vulnerability it's like had i not opened up about my own sexual identity you know i'm sure nothing would have happened i mean and there had been moments of sexual tension between even he and i that had existed before but of course he was more passing heterosexual i was not passing well at all (laughs) um so it was sexual wait did was yeah it became sexual but did he
0: was that did you lose your virginity yes i did
1: i lost my virginity like both ways you know i don't know if it was the story for him he had claimed to have sex many a time but you know you know boys lie about that when you're that age so i don't know if that was his first time did you I, i imagine it may have been his first time with homosexual activity
0: did you top and bottom
1: i topped i tried to bottom but it didn't work out she's a top she's the top
0: <laughs> so uh was it but did it, was it also a little
1: romantic i think we did kind of get along better <laughs> once <laughs> was that tension was out. released right. <laughs> We did get on better, yeah, a little bit afterward, but we were very contentious because he was such a fucking liar. Wow. I mean, he was a very, like, a terrible liar. Like, a Trump-style liar. You know what I'm saying? Just like, these lies don't even make sense, (laughs) and you're just lying. So we got on a little bit better for a time, but, you know, I just don't think I liked him (laughs) as a person. You just liked fucking him. Yeah, he had a big old juicy booty. You know,
0: that helps. (laughs) Um, would you say that that experience had any impact on your queer dating life later on?
1: Yes. It's hard for me to it's hard for me to grasp what that impact was. But it definitely helped me to seek out more queer sexual experiences. Cuz I think before that time I was like, you know, I had like proclaimed that I was queer. I was gay. But I didn't really know what to do with that. I didn't know how to express that other than just like being there and being- And then telling people. Yeah. And you know, once, once the genie's out of the bottle, there ain't no going back. Right.
0: You're up the right way, you know. Oh, this is, a good, this is a question that I have for you. So you're also sober.
1: Yes.
0: How long have you been sober?
1: I've been sober for six and a half years. A little bit over.
0: Are there a lot of sober,
1: sober queers? There are many a sober queer.
0: Have you dated sober queers?
1: Um, no. Why not? But I have had sex with sober queers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> would you? I mean, would you say that you're looking for a sober boyfriend, partner?
1: I mean, I would not say that, ex- especially. No, I'm not especially looking for someone who's sober. But I. I don't want anyone who has any kind of chemical dependency.
0: I mean, I think that <laughs> that's true for <laughs> most people. But I guess I mean like would you prefer a sober boyfriend as opposed to a a drinking or, you know, a substance using boyfriend?
1: No, not especially no. I I think it, I would I would I would date someone who wasn't sober or but like who had some kind of like moderate use thing going on in terms of alcohol. I don't think I would date anyone who was like using drugs. Um, like cocaine, heroin, right. ecstasy, Tina, right. I mean, yeah. any of those things, I completely understand people need to do what they do. I have done what I needed to do, but um at this point in my life, I yeah, I could not see myself being in a partner a partnership with anyone who was using drugs.
0: Right. Do you think there's something? to dating as a queer sober person do you think your sobriety has impacted your your dating life in any
1: way yes how so well it's given me more of a dating life in a more conventional sense like actually sitting down (laughs) and getting to know a person (laughs) (laughs) okay and it's also allowed me it's given me the courage to push forward and exploring my my sexuality even more wait in what sense Well, in the the sense of asserting my sexuality more. And I think my practice before was kind of just take whatever I can get and slash go along with things that maybe I wasn't totally down with. um, But I didn't really think that I could do better at the time. Mm. You know, and I'm not saying that I like got sober and just because I stopped drinking all of these things happening. There was a great deal of work and examination and introspection involved in all of this but um in sobriety i've i've done a lot of that and it's just empowered me to just say what i want date who i want have sex with who i want Mm -hmm. have sex where i want
0: (laughs) where you want like where (laughs)
1: like in public spaces (laughs) which i certainly would not have been bold enough to do
0: when you were using
1: yeah although i did have sex in an alley once when i was using (laughs)
0: <laughs> you're like, oh, I was in that orgy that one, but
1: time. I was why well, that too. Actually, that <laughs> happened when I was All using, right. but I was <laughs> so drunk. Well, you know, I mean, well, there's a difference because, like, accessing that kind of like I don't give a fuckness when you're drunk is completely different from accessing that kind of liberty when you're sober. It's it's a completely different experience. You actually have to consciously. Think about what you're doing. So, yeah. yeah, it's um, it's a different experience. Um, And it it's actually a different skill set, I think. Mm. I mean, it is a skill set to actually be courageous enough and vulnerable enough to, like, go for what you want in the moment without the aid of drugs and alcohol.
0: Would you say that that's true also about romance, not just sex?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would say, <laughs> <You> would? yes. <laughs> would you?
0: Yeah, I guess because, you know, substances kind of numb you and sort of take you out of it a little bit. Oh, sure. Um, and yeah. I think what you're saying is you need to be present in a different way to enjoy things like public sex or things like, like like what you're saying. Like going being honest about what you want and going for that requires a kind of presence that you don't need when you're using because you're just doing whatever Yes, you're of. just
1: responding to. It. You're just right. acting on impulse. Right, right. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with being impulsive. That's human nature. But when you're like, <laughs> you're acting on every impulse, right?
0: <laughs> or 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 merely impulse, right?
1: Yes. Um. know yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> and well, it's and and it lacks real authenticity.
0: And people talk about this. There's an issue among gay men with with substance use and substance abuse like Tina, Crystal Meth, like you're saying, but I think in general, substances are a very sort of common baseline way through which people relate to each other, gay gay men specifically.
1: Sure. I mean, I would would argue that a great deal of substance use um, and excessive use comes from a deep-seated desire to connect with others. But that's the paradox of it is like, Mm. it actually does not really bring us closer to connection, authentic connection with other people in any way that's meaningful. Excessive drug use and, like, alcohol use. I mean, it feels like it in the moment. But, you know, if you're anything like me, it's like, well, I've forgotten 85% of the conversations I had with the person when I was drinking with them. So I have no fucking idea what we talked about. (laughs) And in the worst cases, I don't even remember what you look like. I have, no, I, yeah. if I saw you on the street, I would have no idea. And that would happen to me sometimes. People would come up, "Hey, oh my god, I'm T- I'm I'm Kevin. We met at so and so's." I was like, "What? Huh? <laughs> Not ringing a bell." <laughs> 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 I think excessive use of substances really doesn't bring. Well, it didn't bring me any closer to connecting with people in any way that felt genuine.
0: Yeah. And I think that for you, from what it sounds like, your your version of queerness is one that's very honest and transparent. And it's about cultivating that kind of honesty with someone.
1: Sure. I mean, obviously not everyone. There's a time and a place. For public sex. Yeah. For public sex. (laughs) You know, for a little cocaine. (laughs) No. (laughs) <laughs> a little shallow interaction on the dance floor what have you that's fine that's all good and well that's all part of the human experience but i think i've i've just had to honor that i need a little bit more than that as 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 time has progressed so
0: i know that sorority has often has a spiritual component to it is there some kind of spiritual practice around sobriety or is that separate from sobriety or?
1: I think they're intertwined. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. But sobriety has, yeah, it's definitely been like a pathway into like a spiritual, kind of a spiritual realm for me. An acknowledgement of like a spiritual realm for me. How so? Well I like got sober in a 12-step program and yeah I don't know I mean it's just like working through like working through the steps and like meeting people and hearing stories Um, and just like the the benefits of doing that that sense of community and then the deep introspective work that happens this is like this lift that took place for me Um, and this just like unquestionable acknowledgement that there's like something bigger, something something greater happening in the world and something greater that connects us all to one another. But really I really found spirituality and community just like the healing power of belonging to a community. Like I was I was kind of always running from people before and and even when I did have like long-term friendships, I wasn't really like present or vulnerable with people um and I, I didn't ever allow myself to to be held by a community um so in in getting sober just like allowing people into my life and seeing how like great those kinds of connections can be and that's that's been kind of like my experience of like spiritual spirituality and i like run and i like connect with like art in various forms. I find spirituality through art, music, and things doing things like this. I don't know if you noticed, but like the first what, half hour that we were in the room, even before we started recording initially, like I was laughing uncontrollably. That was a lift that I did not have before the hours spent in this room. And I think that even even in that there's like spirituality.
0: Has becoming sober made it a little harder for you to date? that narrow the dating pool because you know so much i think what you were saying earlier right so much of dating is going out for drinks right
1: i would say in the first couple years yes <laughs> i mean because i i mean i got so i'm what am i i'm 33 now i got sober when i was 27 so i would say yes specifically to people to to queer men who were in my age group at that time mm. i mean I don't know if it like limits the dating pool. I mean, but I still have gone on dates with people who drink. I mean, did much come of it? Not especially, <laughs> you know, I've gotten responses where it's like, we're at the date. I sit down, the person is ordering a drink and they're like, are you going to have anything to drink? I'm like, no, I don't, I don't drink. And well, at least it used to be. Now I'm just like, I don't drink. <laughs> I put that on my um, dating profiles right away. So we'd i don't have to go through that anymore but like earlier on yeah i remember this one guy i said we we went on a date together and yeah we sat down at the table he ordered a drink he asked me if i wanted anything to drink i just ordered water and then like the server went away and he's like you don't you're not gonna have a drink and i was like no i don't drink and he like flipped his fucking shit he, what yeah got really defensive took a very defensive stance he's like what do you mean you don't drink like why don't you drink it's like well i just don't drink and he's oh my god he went on this fucking psychotic (laughs) anecdotal tangent about like how he had had been drinking since he was 15 and he was an artist and i don't even remember the story but it was just so sparsed out and then he like inserted this (laughs) It's the narrative about how he ended up in the <laughs> the ER <laughs> because he drank so much what? and he blacked out. But now he like had it under control because he only drank beer now. And so I mean, it was just a disaster and it was such a off. Um, but I still had sex with him. Oh my God! <laughs> you saw
0: those red flags and you were like, "I'm going straight through them."
1: You know, is it is it a shining moment of mine? <laughs> Absolutely not. But it is the truth.
0: <laughs> um, all right. Well, <laughs> you know what? Like... We're gonna end with some rapid fire questions. Ooh. Okay. What is your embarrassing celebrity crush?
1: Embarrassing? I don't know that I'm embarrassed about any of them. Okay. Um, hold on. Okay, fine. Does Paul Ryan count? <gasps> <gasps> oh my god, it's <laughs> kinda that's all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> 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 moving moving
0: on. Uh What is your favorite queer movie other than *Brokeback Mountain*?
1: I can't even lodge that into favorite queer movies. So much I've watched it so many times (laughs) that my affinity for it is exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is an obsession at this point. My favorite queer movie. You know, I watched one recently called *I Am Jonas*. Have you seen that one? No, it's a French one. Um, It's I think it was produced by Netflix. It was quite beautiful um you know and two wong fu is always
0: oh oh for sure
1: (laughs) always in my top three
0: what's your favorite flavor of ice cream
1: i like the cookies and cream like the oreo cookies and cream Mm. a lot
0: and finally which cartoon character do you most identify with
1: (laughs) jessica rabbit (laughs) 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 and why I mean, because she's unapologetically sexy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. All right. That is perfect. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for participating in this podcast. Oh, thank you for asking. (laughs) You're welcome. Okay.
1: Everybody Uh, vote. Okay. I mean, we... (laughs) This is... I know. I'm okay. just, you know. <laughs> It's just force of habit. Are it. you registered to vote? The, oh, my God. <laughs>
0: and uh, if we could both say queer and love at the same time, that would
1: be great. Are we going to count down?
0: Yes. Okay, so we're just going to do
1: it. Queer in love. Yay! Well,
0: I hope you enjoyed my chat with Cordette. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. And if you've got the time, please rate and review us. I'd love to answer listener questions and take suggestions, so write to me at diego at Hit the subscribe button and don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm also looking for guests. If you're a big queer and you'd like to come on the show either as a single or with your partner or partners, go to queerandlove.com and fill out the guest inquiry form on the site. Our show is produced by Diego Amato and myself, producer Steven. Music by Noah Cruikshank. <laughs>